We're joined now by Harrison Pittman, the director of the National Agricultural Law Center at the University of Arkansas. Thank you, sir. Appreciate the time. Hey, I appreciate you. All right, we got this dynamic going on across our country where particularly among some politicians, they are concerned and looking at foreign ownership, trying to ban it in some cases, some of these states, particularly when it comes to China. Mm -hmm. What is going on right now? So, um, you know, what we see going on right now is it's a historically significant shift in this area. Um, and from a big picture perspective, beginning in around 2021 and then obviously into 2022, we started seeing an uptick, particularly at the state level, on interest about foreign ownership. And that was really the first time in not that what I'm I'm overgeneralizing, but certainly at that level, this was the first time in some decades that that had really been an issue uh, that that captured the imagination of a lot in the political realm. What we've seen in 2023 was basically, uh, it was 2021 and 2022 times three or four. Like It was just huge. And in, uh, in those first two years, these bills, or as proposed, what they would do is focus on foreign ownership sort of at large. So really no distinction between, say, Canada and the Netherlands and Germany and China. It was just sort of any kind of foreign ownership is what we want to restrict. And what we saw occur around the country is, for the most part, those bills died. They died in committee. They didn't make it out. Uh, and a lot of support that they started with peeled off. And uh, there's different reasons for that. But some of the numbers that help explain that, of all your foreign ownership in the United States, half of it's in, in the forestry industry. And 66% or more of foreign ownership comes from Canada, the Netherlands, Italy, Germany. Uh, and I'm leaving somebody out there. Uh, and uh, and uh, but, but that's not what at, we talk about, though. No, and if you look at the big picture, there's, you can say these numbers one of two ways. 3.1% is right in there is what's reported is in for, of privately held agricultural land is in foreign ownership, okay? And ownership can be actual ownership of the of the property, fee title ownership, but it can also be long-term leases and long-term leases are 10 years or more. So wind energy, solar, uh, you know, you think of leases like that. So you could have land that would be owned by an American citizen and maybe they inherited it within their family in years past. They still own it, but it could be in that foreign ownership data if, say, they've entered in like a, a lease for development rights for uh, wind turbines or solar panels and things like that. So 97-ish percent of private agricultural land in the United States is not in foreign ownership. Uh, since we started collecting data in 1978, that's when the Federal Reporting Act was, uh, Amer the Agricultural Foreign Investment Disclosure Act was, was uh, enacted. It's basically broken down pretty much half of all foreign ownership is in forestry. The other is split roughly by 25% between cropland and pasture land. Um, and uh, the level of Chinese ownership, there is, there is uh, as reported, there are there is Chinese uh, ownership. It's less than 1% of all foreign ownership uh, of ag land. Um, I don't have the, the exact numbers in front of me, but I think the total acreage is under 400,000. 
Uh, a lot of that traces back to the Smithfield transaction back around 2011, 2012, 2013. Um, and Smithfield owned a lot of farmland and it, it became part of that, that transaction. And, you know, uh, and so there was an uptick in, at that time of this, this issue of foreign ownership, but that really landed in Missouri and North Carolina. But Missouri actually had a pretty strict law and still does, but they amended it to allow and kind of facilitate that transaction. Uh, and, uh, but what we saw in 2021 was definitely an uptick. And coming out of those two years, only two states that proposed a law actually enacted a law. One was Arkansas and the other was Indiana. Arkansas actually, at that time anyway, enacted a law that arguably made foreign ownership even easier than it was before, which was a 180 from where that proposal started. And then Indiana passed a law that it did apply to foreign ownership at large, but I think by the time someone really looks at the exceptions and the way that's written, uh, you can see that that complexity of the of the political process factored into it. Uh, now, 2023, we've seen, you know, we're now 36 plus states that had at least one proposal in 2023. Many states had multiple proposals. They tended to focus on the big four, some combination of China, Iran, North Korea, and Russia. Um, and they have had legislatively more success, um, you know, because, you know, now it's it's tailored towards a handful of countries uh, that, you know, frankly, Iran, North Korea, and Russia, uh, I don't think there's a big push from investors in those countries at the moment. Right. Um, and, uh, and, you know, but the, the Chinese part, and we have seen, particularly in Arkansas, you know, where I'm at, that's the first state to have uh, in, in the wake of passing these new laws. And they're not all the same, by the way, actually see enforcement, enforcement actions. Yeah. Where your governor has instructed this Chinese company to divest itself. Yeah. It's Syngenta, uh, which was purchased uh, in recent years uh, by Kim China, uh, you know, but it's, it's based in Switzerland. So it, it's, I mean, there is this Chinese component to it. Uh, it was, you know, was approved, went through an approval process with the, you know, U.S. government. Right. Uh, but they owned about, uh, I don't have the exact numbers, but it's in the ballpark of 75 to 125 acres of research plot that they'd owned since the 80s. And that's what they're divesting. Um, and, uh, and I don't know the details, but I did see just before the weekend the, um, the Secretary of Agriculture, Wes Ward, had uh, requested that the Attorney General look into two other entities. And I don't know that they were actually ag-specific, but uh, for potential of, of violating uh, the Arkansas law. So how strong does this feel? Does this does it feel like a temporary flashpoint where it's getting all this attention and then it'll fade as you know, the country's attention and politicians' attention moves on to something else? Or does this feel more lasting where there are leaders who feel like, particularly when it comes to China, it's a big enough threat that there needs to be this big push to to get any Chinese company out of this? How strong does this feel? I think it feels pretty strong. Um so I think that we'll still see activity in 2023 or 2024. Ooh, gotten so used to saying 2023. We're almost to the new year. Um, and at the federal and state level. So 
one piece of this to keep in mind is that, you know, as we've, for those who are in the ag circles and stay in that world, you know, we just recently extended the 2018 farm bill for another year, but the House and Senate are still trying to, to, to get to an agreement uh, in the first quarter, hopefully of 2024, for those who are wanting to see a new, a brand new farm bill, multi-year farm bill. I mentioned that because that's a legislative vehicle for any type of federal action dealing with foreign ownership. And so that still is built, it pinned up and there's numerous proposals from on the House and Senate side uh, and some much more encompassing than others. So we still don't know how that's going to play out on the federal level. There's still, you know, under the Defense Production Act, there's a committee that the acronym would be SOFIAS or SOFIAS, the Committee on Foreign Investment in the United States that uh, gets a lot of attention in this area. Their their role is to review some, you know, transactions that involve foreign companies. And, uh, and so ag being a part of this political debate, I think that could still get a lot of attention. Um, I, I think that this could last a little longer. And I wonder if eventually we we don't enter into a phase at some point where the conversation is different, meaning a lot of the conversation, at least as it comes up, uh, is about theft, you know, data, stealing technology, which has happened. Um, and that doesn't necessarily relate to ownership of, of land per se. Um, and, um, I wonder if some point do we have a conversation that's about should we increase criminal penalties uh, for theft of of data, regardless of who's doing it. Uh, and um, I have wondered if at some point in some future year, uh, is there an effort to challenge some of this under international trading rules, uh, uh, litigation before the World Trade Organization? And so that remains to be seen. And that would take a lot more sort of discussion, more consensus building in our political system of people between the legislative branch and the executive branch, looking at the problem and studying it uh, and looking at, is there a long-term way that we can add to all these other efforts uh, that could also have an impact here uh, to achieve what we want? Uh, so I would say it's going to last. I don't know. Um, it may it may kind of like some of these states, you know, they've passed laws. There may not be an appetite to um, to come back and amend and they may feel like they put a lot of effort in and there's no sense in going back. I will say uh, something that I've I've seen firsthand from from, quote unquote, the beginning. This is an issue where it it is difficult to get political consensus on. As much as there's intensity and there's passion behind it, um, and in fact, I'd say a lot of your effort of like where it focuses on the big four, which includes China, is a it's a result of the of the challenge in getting a consensus around this issue, because you have a lot like when these issues come up. I'll give you an example: um, the state of Alabama is one of the highest percentages of foreign ownership of private ag land in the United States. Um, if you were to remove forestry from their equation, I think you're probably left with somewhere between 20 and 30,000 acres of private agricultural land that's in foreign ownership. 
And so you have a constituency there that it's like, hang on, we have a lot of relationships here with Canadian investors and uh, and then from the Netherlands. Um, and we don't want to frustrate those like that. That's an, um, a publicly stated mindset that's been out there. Um, and so it's I think it's been harder than people might realize. And if someone looks at South Dakota, you know, Governor Nome had and her what she wanted. It was changed considerably uh, in the legislature, and it was ag interests that largely were split out. And I have found that to be true uh, across the country. Uh, it's 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 it is. There's no issue that in ag that pulls in every political interest, every group in some way, from ag lenders to your farm bureaus, which of course includes all down to your county committees and your individual membership. They have difficulty finding consensus. Cattlemen's groups, uh, and I could go on down the list, forestry, uh, they have their own concerns that come to the table. And, and there are places for an agreement too, uh, but it's harder than you might think. And even as we were coming into 2023 and these bills were coming up, you know, I knew from without divulging names and places and so forth, I knew that there were discussions of sort of guardrails on what the governor and the leadership in that particular legislature were going to work on. But once those weather, or I call them weather balloons, uh, but the Chinese balloons came spy over, balloons. Mm -hmm. yeah, the spy balloons, uh, weather balloon was the wrong word, uh, the spy balloons, all bets were off. Everybody got out of the way. And it was just uh that 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 there was uh, it was just like opening up uh, opening an oven up that was 700 degrees and the heat mm. just came pouring out people just got out of the kitchen on it. so uh so i i think it's still going to last for a while and we still have yet 14 states in 2023 that did not have a proposal i think they could come back um and you know, and, and do something in some states made proposals that didn't enact something. I know for sure they're coming back. Like I know already there's a handful that they're going to have proposals. So I don't think it's going away. I'd add one other component to it and that's litigation. Um, we don't, we don't know that outcome yet. Uh, in the state of Florida, that's the first litigation that's been filed challenging uh, any of these statutes. Um, and I think that as time goes on, there could be other legal actions brought that are oftentimes I have constitutional arguments uh, like the, uh, and um, so and I, I don't know that those will come out of the ag industry. I think they could be if I'm predicting, I'd say it could be more energy sector. Uh, and you have a lot of investment uh, that's like solar and wind and um, and they may not be. Chinese, uh, it could be other foreign entities, but um, I think that that's an area that you could see some legal actions brought, maybe not next year or the year after, but in some future years. So this one could be a slower burn than than what we'd seen before. So much to watch with this. Hey, we really appreciate your time and look forward to hearing you in person in Des Moines in January. Yeah, and, and uh, Michael Brown, my colleague, will be there and he's very knowledgeable. In fact, all the resources that we've done, those are those are really coming from Micah. Uh, and I think um, and uh, I think that 
anybody that's wanting to to learn more, I think this will be a very informative panel. Uh, and of course, you know, we're a research and information center and we interact with people all the time. People are free to email us or call us. And uh, I know for sure in the last two years, we have absolutely spent hundreds of hours on Zoom calls and phone calls and presentations and everything and interacting with people who are all over the spectrum on this. And that's a huge value that the National Agricultural Law Center brings is we're a non-advocacy, nonpartisan educational resource. And so, uh, you know, we don't, as they say, have a dog in the hunt. You know, mm -hmm. we just, we're, we're there to be informative and, and to help in that way. So I would recommend anybody who's interested in this issue uh, to, to come on in uh, at the Land Expo, jump in, the water will be fine, we'll, and we'll have a good time. All right. Thank you. Appreciate you. Right. Yeah.